Hello, loreheads, and welcome to the League, exploring the League of Legends lore from A to Z. My name is Rebecca. And I'm John. And my name is Mark. And today we are talking about the Sheriff of Piltover, Caitlin, who was released January 4th, 2011, which means before I was playing, which means she's ancient. Yep. First champion that was released after I started playing. Oh, really? Ooh. So you're classic Actually, Caitlyn then? She had, re- she had been released right before I started playing. Oh, okay. But in terms of my actual class, I'm class of brand, since that's when you started working at Riot. Oh, uh, okay. I was thinking, yeah. like, yeah, I guess that's fair. I was thinking of, like, your, your league class versus your Riot class, but that's fine, too, I suppose. What class were you, Mark? Which is, this is how, they, whenever, uh, whatever champion came out when you started, is that it? That's your class? I think it's the first one to come out since you started. Oh, okay. Xerath yeah. uh, was my class. Oh, um, I wonder how that works now, because I feel like champion releases are, are fewer yeah, I wonder if they, than they used to be. I wonder if they still do that. Larger groups, maybe. I was class of Rengar for yeah. my brief stint at Riot. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was excited to get into Caitlyn, because she was my first main, and I feel like your first main you have like a connection with on like a spiritual level that you can't explain. <laughs> yeah, Ash was my first main. I was really glad that her lore was so... So good. It was very satisfying. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, John told me to play Caitlyn because he's like, you probably don't have to use her abilities. Don't worry about the buttons. Just because right. this was before her rework too, and like it wasn't as. I remember like when you first when when a pro first did the net back Q combo, it was like a massive. Deal. It was mind blowing. Uh. It was hilarious. <laughs> Anyway, on the universe page, Caitlin has her bio and two short stories. One of them is called The Thrill of the Chase. The other one is Progress Day. She's also in a bunch of other shit that's just not linked on the universe page, it sounds like. Yeah. Honestly, in a lot of those things, she plays a bigger part than she plays in Progress Day. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? I'm curious because I... Okay, well, well, we'll go through it, I guess, because I'm curious what you're thinking of. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Did you read outside of that? I only read what was on the universe page, Mark. Did you read outside of that? Uh, I did. I read um, Child of Zahn. Was a, it's a Vi story that she is in some. And I think there was some things we, sh- things we should mention from it. But I don't, remember, I don't think I read too much else. I poked around a lot um, just to see <laughs> if I could find stuff. But maybe, hmm. I'm, maybe I missed some stuff. I also poked around a bit. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess we'll get into her bio first. So Caitlin was born to wealthy parents. We're just told that they had, quote, engineering skills, but it's not really detailed aside from that. They mentioned that Caitlin can get along with the rich or hunt a deer. I like how that those were the two sides of <laughs> Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> One progress day, Caitlin's home is destroyed and her parents have gone missing. She tracks down a bunch of hired guns. They don't know who hired them, though. They just know they got a proxy with the initial C, and that's it. Which my heart told me, Camille? But now I'm I'm very curious what the two of you know. Kate eventually finds out that her parents are being forced to work with a rival merchant. She saves them and then sets out to help others because she noticed, I can help people. She gets noticed by the wardens after a pretty big case and is made sheriff. Kate only accepts Kate. I kept putting her Kate in my notes because I was too lazy. Caitlin accepts. (laughs) Mostly just because she wants to find the letter C person 
And at the end, they kind of just mention that she partnered with Vi at some point, and no one really knows why they're together, because they're so different. I was really disappointed there wasn't a single Vi story on her lore. I really wanted... Maybe it's on Vi's lore? Yeah, yeah the Vi stories like the are on Vi. The Child of Zahn has the two of them together. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yes. And yeah. it actually leads kind of directly into the warrior cinematic actually yeah that was the neatest thing about that whole thing was it gave some context for that cinematic so that was cool yeah. i like that uh well we'll get there in a couple of years <laughs> yeah right uh so how did we feel about the bio i didn't feel it, it was funny because i never read it but i felt like there was absolutely nothing surprising in this mm. really yeah i think it's it's lacking a lot of anything to do with Caitlyn as a, a person or a character. And it's just very much a, a run through of events. Um, so kind yeah. of on the, the bad end of how league bios can be, I guess was kind of my perspective, but it did raise the mystery of the sea. <laughs> okay. So we were, we were talking the other day about how sometimes in league, they will have these mysteries or questions that from our perspective, we don't really care about because we're trying to approach it from a you know is the storytelling good are these interesting and compelling mysteries not what's the answer to the mystery and when we were talking about that this was what i had in my head because i was like i remember it's like a holdover she's always had this sea crap in her her bio and it's always the most like boring fucking thing in my opinion i don't know i just find it not compelling as a mystery i guess it could be but there's not enough like i don't know i they kind of make a throwaway line that her, her I don't know, who worked at the mansion that her family worked at. They all got killed, but whatever. The big deal is that her parents were kidnapped. There was, but her parents are alive. They're fine. So it's, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I wish there was something more to what the letter C did, I guess. Yeah. Now, I will say one thing that I did enjoy about this, while I don't think there were any kind of definitive answers we're going down a bunch of rabbit holes but like looking up and reading a bunch of the fan theories about <laughs> C was very entertaining because uh, I will say the the fan theories connected the lore in a way that made it I think a lot more compelling than the main story made it mm. and it, it made me like okay yeah I, I dig this headcanon okay okay <laughs> interesting I like the ones where they suggest that Caitlyn is the C <laughs> because, you know, they haven't started with that same letter. Like she's a schizophrenic it's, it's or something. It's like oh, all of Rugrats is happening in Angelica's head. <laughs> now, I feel like, unfortunately, Riot has already kind of solved this mystery. Obviously not in a way that a lot of people liked. Um oh. Because, I mean, there were a bunch of people that were like, oh, it's obviously Camille when Camille was released. And then a bunch of people that were like, there's no way it's Camille. That's too obvious and stupid. Mm -hmm. And then Swain does have a voice line specifically to Camille that's like, what would your great grandniece think of what C has been up to? Um, Yeah. Which, of course, everyone that was like, it can't be Camille was like, well, that doesn't know. No, that doesn't mean anything. It yeah, could I mean anything that she's referring to Camille and also refers to her specifically as C. No. <laughs> I think I, I was in that camp initially when I was going through this because I was like, okay, I guess that's the answer. I don't... It was a not compelling mystery with a not compelling solution. So I feel like double cheated. It's like, oh, great, cool, awesome. 
Yeah, Ryan's having this difficult balance of putting a lot of thought into the lore and at the same time putting no thought into the lore sometimes. <laughs> and I'm not sure what they're going for here. It's a crapshoot. You never know what you're going to get, man. <laughs> I did like, so the, the fan theories that had Caitlin like, distantly related to Camille. I liked I liked those because mm-hmm. the the things that I think need to happen for that to be true, I feel like make Camille a more kind of compelling character and all of like her her wheeling and dealing and machinations behind the scenes <laughs> that are pretty neat. Uh I don't I don't necessarily think that any of it is true, but they were fun theories. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe we should, uh, we'll just adopt those as the, uh, the head cannon that we work off of then. How about? <laughs> I, I feel really bad for all, all the hardcore lore heads out there who are really trying to fill in the pieces because they want these answers. And I don't know if Riot's ever going to give them any. Yeah, this is. But some of y'all should be hired, honestly. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, I read a few of them. Not, surely not as much as you did, John. And I agree. They were very interesting to see the ways people try and, you know, plug the holes. As it were, I don't know this. This whole C <laughs> thing feels like just it, it feels like such a thing because, like I said, it's been in her bio. I think since her very first lore, I could be wrong, but I thought that was oh. always the case. It was like a cat burglar, right? Yeah, exactly. I feel like if in a perfect world, you know, if Caitlin was fresh out the gate, they would not have this at all. And it's just something where if you dropped it, there would be enough people who are invested in just. We've been waiting years, since 2011, right, to know who the fuck C is. You can't just drop it and pretend it never happened. But it's also not that interesting. This is like a, like Lost, where they have it, they have all the answers, but they're afraid to tell everyone them, because everyone's going to be really disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Or or in the case of Lost, too, because everyone already predicted them, and they're like, crap, does that mean that we were bad at what we were doing, that everyone just knew it was going to happen? No, that means you did a pretty good job, in my opinion. I don't know. Yeah. People are going to figure out your mysteries if enough people are involved, you know. And and that's yeah. not a bad thing. You know, that yeah. means you left breadcrumbs. Yeah, I was going to say, if you ever write a mystery that nobody solves, like, you probably wrote a shitty mystery. <laughs> I could tell you, as someone who's written a shitty mystery, <laughs> that's accurate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. I guess moving away from the bio, uh, guess, what story do we want to talk about? I, I did have like a couple oh, things I wanted to hit on with the bio real quick. <laughs> um, I do like the idea of Caitlyn as in like an urban ranger kind of. Yeah. Which I mm-hmm. think we get a bit more in her flavor story, and I like that archetype. I don't think it's communicated that well in her, her game, like her uh, her quotes or or most of the, the depictions no. of her. But I like the idea of it, and I really wish they would capitalize on that some more. Um, yeah, they have, like, Safari. To be honest, like, I really had a hard time picturing Caitlyn in this because she's such a goofy, over-the-top costume, like, yeah. that she wears. It just, like, doesn't fit in with, like... She's wearing, like, a little mini skirt. It doesn't really fit in with, like, this huntress, like, epic badass. Not that you can't be badass and sexy, but she's running around. She's going to be flashing her vag to everyone. <laughs> it's a nice distraction. I don't know. She needs, She does need a visual update for sure. She looks Her in-game, she looks like she's wearing a fucking circus tent, man. I hate her in-game. <laughs> she does, her you're right. Scan. I would really like a, a an outfit change that, that fits this. Also, I'm playing an urban ranger in our newest D&D game, so <laughs> yeah, I that's, appreciate that. That's what made me think of you it, actually. To... <laughs> I feel like you'd have to change very little about her outfit to make her look like Moxie from Borderlands. Oh, she looks so much like Moxie, right? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. 
Mm, that's not a good. That's that's not it's, a good it's thing. A, <laughs> <laughs> it's a steampunk look they're going for, which is great. I love a good steampunk look, but maybe get her some pants. She's, well, think, she's running around as a sheriff. Yeah, well, I think some of that's also that Piltover used to be a lot more steampunk, and they've kind of shifted it to more. God, I feel like I'm talking about like metal subgenres, more deco punk than steampunk. So there's a bit, a bit of a, anyway. The other thing I was going to mention is that I felt like there were a couple of weird lines where it talks about her the cases that she had, where it kind of gives a lot of detail mm. about two things. And I was trying to figure out what they were in reference to. So it was specifically the one talking about a um, missing hex tech and child abductions. Is that like is that about arcane? Is that shit that we're going to get in our, the arcane series when it hits? I hope so. I, I get that sense from it because it seems like she's maybe she's about 10 years older than Vi. Vi seems to be about 13 or so in that series, give or take. And, you know, that would be about when Caitlin was first kind of doing this stuff, you know, very late teens, very early 20s. And that being, you know, she's almost the the, the Gordon to, to Vi's Batman or Bruce Wayne where, you know, <laughs> they have that interaction oh. when they're young. And that's why they're together now, right? Um, oh, I didn't know that. That's my thought, anyway. I, I'll be curious to see if it comes true. Yeah. And then the the other one is where it, it talks about her battling a host of rogue chimerics. And it's like a really long sentence that goes into detail about this thing. And I was trying yeah. to figure out who the hell this is talking about. I had, I had to read that sentence like six times. It's like a run-on <laughs> sentence. They need some punctuation yeah. in that shit. I don't know. But I, yeah, I, I don't know who this... Yes, I was kind of hoping that one of the short stories would be about at least one of those cases because why are they putting it in the bio i guess i don't know yeah yeah but i feel like both of them are already like post sheriff induction so Mm -hmm. we don't really get any Mm pre-sheriff stories yeah yeah anyway those are those are the things that stuck out to me when i was looking through it we can we can move on yeah sure so the first short story on the website is the thrill of the chase which is her flavor story as you call them mark (laughs) yeah you know, they're short. This for a little little spice, right? Uh, yeah. I, I I can do that one if if y'all want. Um, I don't remember what we we divvied yeah, up. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this one's by Graham McNeil. He actually he wrote this and the other one, and it seems like he wrote a lot of the Zon and Piltover stuff. As I was kind of poking around, um, I think maybe when they reintroduced Piltover and Zon into the lore, he w- was probably one of like the driving writers for that whole project. I would guess mm. from this, but. I, yeah, I imagine having a, a you know writers dedicated to certain areas really helps because you just be confused. <laughs> yeah, I mean it makes sense, you know. And then they kind of develop their own their own little bit of flavor and style, as it were, because you've got you know different writers instead of just a complete amalgam. Um, <laughs> anyway, so so this story is following Kate as she's chasing a criminal named uh, Devaki. Right? Sound sound right enough to y'all? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, with her. Sort of quasi partner Mo Mohan Mohan. <laughs> they, I think he's the one they mention him kind of not directly in her bio as well, like being the original person who put her up for like suggestion to the wardens. Anyway, so they're chasing down this criminal. It's nighttime in Piltover. It's about three a.m. I think it says, and they're going through like the the busy night crowds. And a passerby, you know, points her in the direction. Oh, you're looking for this guy in a, in a hat. He went that way. And Kate kind of looks him over and deduces in an almost in a very kind of light Sherlock way of like this yeah. guy's down his yeah. luck he was rich but he's not been rich lately he's lying and it's like uh, how much did Debaki pay you and he's like oh five gold and he runs off <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty um, cute yeah um and kind of gathering that she darts off in the opposite direction 
you know, picks her way. This was again that urban ranger thing where she's picking her way through, you know, alleyways and shortcuts and finding her way through all the little nooks and crannies and, you know, posts up and there comes her man and she shoots off his robotic hand. And I do love how <laughs> they've, they've got a great way of using firearms in like Zon and Piltover because everyone's all augmented. You can blow off limbs and kill people and all sorts of shit, but because it's augmented, it's fine. You keep that team rating. It's not a big deal. It's true. Yeah. Um, 90 caliber nets him and uh, confronts him. And again, kind of, again, a little Sherlock Holmes style outlines. Well, once I looked at all of the things you've been doing, I determined that you were gathering pieces for this, um, this piece of technology, uh, Vishla's Hexaline Caliber, which they have a picture of on the Piltover page, by the way. Some gun that's way too dangerous and outlawed and, and pilt over. And um, she also deduces that, well, no one would, would work with that kind of banned tech in, in pilt over or Zon, but Noxus might want some, which is an interesting little, you know, Noxus getting involved in pilt over, as it were. And she, you know, gets ready to have him sent off, and this is where she gets her hat, I guess, is, is, was originally Debaki's hat, and she takes it off him. And that's it. It's not the longest thing yeah. in the world. I did immediately Google uh, Vishla's Hexaline Caliber to see if it was a Legends of Terra card because it just seems like it should have been by now, but apparently it's not. Uh, I did see a theory, speaking of fan theories, where someone theorized that they were the guns in Urgot's shotgun knees. Was it? <laughs> that's what he's got in his mm. knees. I don't think so. The person Urgot was like, has well, shotgun knees? Yeah. He's got exploding knees, motherfucker. <laughs> but um I didn't know that oh yeah <laughs> yeah we should we should play some more ergot he's a lot of fun i guess so but yeah they, they were like well if you go and look at the pictures of a caliber it, it looks just like a shotgun and it, it doesn't it looks like a rifle <laughs> and uh <laughs> and then yeah on the piltover page here's a picture of it and it's like a this is like a hextech rifle but hmm. i wonder why it's so dangerous i don't know I, I, that would be a, ni- a nice detail to have i feel like that's just one of those things where they threw a lot of confusing words at us and mm. told us it was dangerous and like that's the point is like don't worry about it it's just dangerous it's just band tech <laughs> hex tech bullshit that's why yeah that's that's kind of a that's a that's a hallmark of piltover is a lot of really long named stuff that you can't ever actually know what it is unless they tell you but i don't know so how did we uh feel about the story i Overall. liked it i thought it was the it was a good display of mastery and and skill. It made Caitlin come across a bit more as like an actual an actual detective who's got some some, some expertise, you know. Yeah, it was very much like the Akali story. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, thinking. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked I, I I liked it too, and I liked. I think I appreciated it even more after reading Interrogation One Hundred and One which is a Vi story that is a, it, it takes place like immediately after this story oh. where Caitlin's just dropped off. Um, uh, Devaki. Devaki, like at the jail and has gone to do other stuff and is like, Vi, interrogate this guy. Mm. And so the story is Vi interrogating him. It, it gave such a nice contrast between their two styles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought it was really good. That's fun. Yeah. I'll be excited to see if we find more instances of that, of stories that are very closely interlinked, because um, it was really cool to, to discover that, you know? Mm, yeah, I, d- I did like this one. Um, I, I, I don't feel like it 
made me feel closer to Caitlin in any way. Again, like, this is all stuff that kind of comes across, like, in her quotes in-game, which would have been fine if I got more of her personality in the other story, but we do not. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm still feeling left, like, I don't really know who Caitlin is. I don't know. Like, she's rich and a sheriff. And smart. And she's and got smart. a great, wonderful voice. True. But, you know, what's on her dating profile? <laughs> <laughs> i kind of wish i kind of wish that that mo mohan i don't know how to say this guy's name moen her mm. her sort of partner um i wish he was yeah. a little less bumbling just because if he was more competent i feel like it would really emphasize how exceptional caitlin is as opposed to him just yeah. being like a tubby like idiot you know for like, like that's yeah. maybe that's a little mean but yeah. No, Caitlin even had to fat shame him. She was like, oh, he prefers the cookies too much or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It had it had almost uh, Men in Black vibes from like the first Men in Black where, you know, Will Smith is chasing after that alien in the beginning. Um, and it's, you know, one of those like, oh, he's he's got this superior ability, but all his coworker cops also like, get really winded after like 10 seconds and they give up the chase. Like, yeah. oh, you could have made him look a lot cooler by not making everyone you're comparing him to look like a chum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a minor thing. It's such a short story. It's a minor complaint. But, you know, we don't have much it's for true. Caitlin. So. Yeah. No, I agree. It would have been stronger for her character if he was also a good detective, just not nearly as fantastic as she is. Yeah, a bit more of a, a Holmes or at Watson to her exactly. homes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They're already making her Sherlock-esque. And, you know, some of the people around Sherlock are incompetent in some of them, I guess. I don't know. I'm not really a big fan of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've seen some episodes of Sherlock and that's about it. All right. So progress day. Okay. This is very long. I'll handle yeah. progress day. Morning ahead of time. I, I took very outliney notes because the majority of this story is not about Caitlyn. No joke. If this sh- if like if this short story was ten pages, Caitlyn would be in the last page and a half. And it is longer than ten pages. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm gonna uh, uh, right now. I started getting annoyed and skimming at some point because <laughs> I was like, "Where the fuck is Caitlyn?" <laughs> yeah. So this story instead follows Tamara. Tamara. I like Tamara. I mean, one of like the two. A real last name. So is Tamara. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I'll give it to you. It's either Tamara or Tamara. <laughs> one of the two. We'll figure it out. Tamara. <laughs> she is. <laughs> can we call her Tammy instead? Let's, okay, Tammy. No, no, no. You can Big call Tams. her. So Tammy. <laughs> no. She is an apprentice in Piltover. <laughs> and apprenta. She is, she, yes, they they are called Apprenta. Thank you. Uh, she's preparing for Progress Day. What the fuck is Progress Day? This is just another instance of like them it's, expecting us to know everything. Yeah, it's. They, I, I think pro- Progress they Day. They kind of tell, talk about it in here. I will say more than they, yeah. The other references. It's it's a little yeah. They they talk about it a little bit, and I think actually before we get into this, did you want to talk about Piltover? Because I feel like knowing a little bit about the history of Piltover is probably important going into this story because that does tie into Progress sure. Day pretty directly. Yeah, okay. this is. Yeah, I think I think I mentioned it in the chat, our chat, but like this is a Piltover story more than anything. Um, Caitlin is just kind of incidentally there, uh, but yeah, I mean, so we talked a little bit in Blitzcrank, yeah, in the Blitzcrank episode about the setup of Piltover and Zon, um, 
And how that kind of came about was that originally there was just a city, a northern Shreeman holding called uh, Ashra Vazan. I don't know why it's got an apostrophe in there because there's not two sounds. Anyway, Ashra Vazan, northern Shreeman holding, survives through the fall of the Shreeman Empire. And there's they're on an, an isthmus, a, a land bridge between Valoran and the Shreeman continent. I don't know what that's called. And they eventually decide, well... Here's what we're going to do. We're going to create a, a Panama Canal type situation by blowing up this isthmus. And that way we'll be able to connect the two big land or uh, oceans, ocean masses, whatever, and uh, control trade. Which they do, but they don't really calculate it perfectly well. So they fuck up all, like half is on. It causes an earthquake. Poisonous gases start leaking out. A bunch of people drown, like thousands of people drown. It's a big fucking catastrophe. But it does create the. The, uh, the connection, as it were. So they're able to control uh, naval trade going between those two oceans, and it explodes, you know, the, the taxes and, you know, sort of levies they're able to, to earn, and that's how Piltover starts to develop. Because the people who control the, the sun gates, which are the main naval thoroughfare from, one, from eastern sea to western sea, I don't know what they're called, uh, the people who control all that make money off of it, right? And so... Eventually, Piltover kind of develops separately from Zahn. And Progress Day is kind of commemorating the first day that the, the sun gates opened. So in Piltover, it's a big celebration. It's like, hey, this is like celebrating all of our progress and how much we can do and on all the good parts of all that. And then in Zahn, it's, it's a very somber thing where it's like thousands of fucking people died and we're still, re we're still rebuilding and we're, we're trapped in this horrible toxic sludge. So Progress Day is a little less fun <laughs> in Zahn. Which they do mention in this story. Yeah, and I, I think for the purpose of this story, too, the the events on Progress Day seem to be that that's the day when a lot of the major merchant guilds are holding auditions, basically, for new Hextech artificers, you know, yes. to yeah. join their ranks. Yeah. Um, so that's what she's preparing for. Tammy is a... Uh, an artificer, I guess. She's she's um, an inventor. She's got schematics. <laughs> you know, she's got the whole nine yards. Schematics, <laughs> a box. She's ready. Uh, <laughs> so she's meeting her friends, Colette and Geisbert. Gisbert. I thought it might be Guibert. <laughs> Guibert. Ooh, that's Ooh. fancy. Well, yeah, Col mm, Colette, right? Colette is a very French name, so yeah. Guibert makes sense. Mm. Colette and Gibi, we'll call him. Gibi. Gerber babies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, she they're they're all uh, apprenta, and they all want to show their their inventions off to the same clan, which is the um, Madarda clan. So we don't know a whole lot about her invention yet. She's very secretive about it, and she's as she's walking, you know, it's it's clear that she did not grow up in Piltover. She seems much more streetwise than a lot of people in Piltover would be. She is able to identify the the Zonite cup purses and she seems to have kind of a, a kinship with the the people. Um, you know, the the street people, I guess, as opposed to the the uptight Piltovans. So on her way there, you know, she's she's accosted by some rich dude <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, don't, don't even worry about it. Come out, eat with me. I'll put in a good word for you. And she's like, fuck off. And he's like, no, 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 no. So 
she threatens to like throw him off a, a cliff and, <laughs> and then he leaves yeah. her alone. It's fair. Uh, so she meets her friends there. They go in. The way it works, you basically show off your invention to a a high council of you know genius inventors. There's about six of them, I think, five or six, they say. And if they like what you invented, then you get to go in one door. If you, they don't like it, then you go out the door straight to the street. She's the last one chosen, and her invention kind of, I wouldn't say misfires, but it almost explodes and it's yeah. very much implied that, yeah, I mean, I knew it was never going to work. That was always the intention. It was never going to work. And so here we go. Um, we don't really know exactly know why. But then when she's escorted out of the building, Caitlin's waiting for her. Caitlin, here she is. She's like, hey, uh, you're coming with us. We found all the shit in your room. And she plays dumb. And Caitlin is not having it. She's like, nope. You are a Noxian spy. I'm sure of it. You've been sent here. You're you're making maps of the town to aid in a future invasion. And then she sets all of her stuff on fire and sends her out on a boat headed to to some Shereman nowhere town. And is like, yeah, whatever. You can dump her overboard if you want. I don't really care at this point. But don't ever come back to Piltover or I will shoot you in the head. Tammy... Not super worried about it. It's, you know, it's extra work, but she's memorized everything so she can recreate all the maps. And she also mentioned that people in her line of work always travel in twos. And Colette, (laughs) who got accepted by the the Madarda clan, is now embedded within their ranks. (laughs) The end. I like the evil chuckle. Yeah. (laughs) It was a very long story, though, and, and Caitlin is in it for one flash as as Tammy is first walking into the Madarda uh, guild place. Manor where she's house. Just, yeah. yeah, manor house, where she's just standing outside staring at people on the hunt, and then she pops up at the end again to make, to close in the trap. But yeah, that's basically it. Thoughts? <laughs> I, I, I liked it. I have several. It, um... <laughs> I don't know if I would go to it for for Caitlin per se. It's just a nice to have. Um, if you were interested in Piltover, this is probably more a way to experience it. My eyes did glaze over a little when they kept throwing the names of streets and places at us. I'm I'm yeah. I'm fine with a world feeling very lived in and the character knowing a street or a place and it not being explained. I don't need to be spoon fed, but it was a lot of it. And I, I started to kind of just like, okay, whatever. I don't care about the the ecliptic vaults or the the artificer's alley or what the fuck ever. Right? It doesn't matter. So that was that was something that yeah. stuck out to me. Yeah, I would say that the the prose is pretty strong. Like this uh, writer is clearly a very strong writer. However, um, especially in terms of a short story, giving this too much, giving this amount of detail is is not a good idea because it's just. You have so little going on and you're throwing so many names at me that if you were writing like a 200,000 word fantasy novel, sure, you know, (laughs) give me all of this detail. But you're writing a really short story and it was just so entirely unnecessary. You can paint the world in in a way that's descriptive without it being this descriptive. Yeah, and I think... 
this was probably i don't read a lot of steampunk style stories so this might be super common and maybe it's a type mm. of vocabulary that i'm just not as familiar with but I did find myself having to look up a lot of words in this story. Same. same. And it seems one, like one unnecessarily. He, one sentence he named three things in a row and I had to look up all I literally of them. wrote that, that down. Couriers push between apparators, yes. victuallers, and tally that men. I was like, what sentence. the fuck are those three things? In case you're wondering, <laughs> it's people who follow judges around, people who sell food and alcohol, and people who sell merchandise on credit. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> definitely he had his Why those three open. things specifically? Like, <laughs> <laughs> It, it does not make you look more intelligent. It just polarizes your audience. It just like makes it inaccessible. And I found this story kind of inaccessible mm-hmm. in a way that it was it was a little difficult to get through. Um, I, I feel like I would have liked if you want a long story. Okay, I kind of would have liked a dual perspective where some of it is from uh, Tamara's point of view and then some of it's from Caitlin's point of view. That would have given us some insight Ooh, that'd on be Caitlin. Great. Yeah. yeah, and that Caitlin is hunting someone, and maybe we could be worried that they're connected with Tamara in a way. Maybe they're going to hurt Tamara, something like that. But that it ends up that it is Tamara. It could have been really interesting, but uh, yeah. instead we get an unreliable narrator that's not written very well because uh, there were some clues but not that many. And then a twist that was good. It, it was a good idea, but not executed super great. I wanted to get your opinion on this because especially at the beginning of the story, I got super, super strong guys writing yeah. female <laughs> Well, it wasn't too bad because he does have... No, it, it was fine. It was okay. Yeah, like, I mean, it definitely was a guys writing fantasy because she immediately wakes up naked and we talk about that. But I, I don't know. It was okay strides naked to the window with the light shimmering on her skin, her frame wolf lean and wiry muscled, but she rubs a hand across her belly anyway for fear it's growing soft. And then they also do make a point of mentioning that when she was looking at herself in the mirror, she ran fingers over Mm. her high cheekbones, then along the line of her chin. She's satisfied by what she sees. <laughs> Colette keeps telling her she could do more with her looks. <laughs> but she's not like other girls is the line that's not written there, <laughs> but is implied. <laughs> it's, it is weird that Colette, because they're, they're both war masons or spies, right? So it's weird that Colette would not get the idea of... Blending in. Because she writes, I think, the, the, yeah, blending in, right? I think the the stomach line is supposed to be soft, but not from a vanity perspective and more a Noxian perspective yeah. of weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not I don't I don't chafe as much at that in particular. But I agree, it definitely has the vibes that you you read a lot of uh, men writing women. If you've ever read any of those paragraphs, they're very funny and horrible. Um, if he had mentioned her breasts at any point, that would be because <laughs> I don't know what it is, but whatever men write, they think must think we think about our breasts all the time. I forget they're there. To be honest, I'm not thinking about them all the time. But anyway. A few things I did really like about it. Um, well, okay. So one thing that I'm, I'm mixed in, because I liked the idea, but maybe not the execution. I really liked the uh, the kind of phrases that they threw out that were like Piltoven and Zonite phrases that people might say. Um, mm. Like the, uh, God, what is the word I'm thinking of? idiom yes the idioms <laughs> so they the first one that stuck out was may the cogs turn clockwise for you today which 
I like the sentiment of... <laughs> Very steampunk. Maybe I don't know a lot about cogs, but if all the clog cogs are turning <laughs> clockwise, is the machine working? <laughs> no, I don't think it's working. <laughs> Maybe it's like a backhanded thing. It's like... Eh. Right. Oh, I like that. Well, that leads right into that's, the next Zonite phrase, which was, thank you. May the gray never rise to your door, which is good. I like that, but it's also a little foreboding. Isn't it kind of like saying like, hey, may you avoid the ever encroaching toxic gases, old lady? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's Zahn, I I guess. (laughs) That's Zahn, baby. (laughs) That's Zahn. (laughs) But I like the idea of it, because you imagine they would... Yeah, um, people would have their own... Yeah, you know, they develop wor- over time. Yeah, and it does develop yeah. the world in a, in a really good way. Whenever you're trying to build a fantasy world, including little things like that are super important because we have lots of weird idioms that we say constantly. Um, I did like that Tamara knew how to talk to Zonites differently than P- Piltovans. Oh, yeah. is that right? Pilties. I, so. I just pulled that on my... Pilties. Pilties. <laughs> Yeah, I do like how she she had done enough research. Like she's clearly prepared to like infiltrate this area and to blend in yeah. really well. There's also um oh, I think there was a line right after when Colette had told her that she should like do more with her looks and I think she says like, you know, Colette's young. She hasn't learned the importance of not standing out or yeah, something. Yeah, something yeah, something like that. Or for, like yeah. Be- being memorable. <laughs> yes, it was being memorable. That's yes, it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. The dangers of being memorable. That was a good line. Uh, yeah, for sure. I yeah. I was just agreeing. I got nothing. <laughs> oh, okay. I was gonna say another thing. I liked. Um, I mean, first of all, the rising howl comes up again. Mm-hmm. It's nice to nice to see that. Hey. That actually comes up in in several of the short stories because I think it comes up in the child of Zon too. They mentioned the rising yeah. howl specifically, so it's nice that consistency is always good. Um, but they also add a bunch of other kind of named pieces of equipment, which is pretty cool. We get old hungry, which is a, a broken clock that is apparently still around and just no one's fixed. Um, <laughs> Zendelo's great sphere, which another mystery that I don't know if we ever dig into at any point, but apparently Zendelo built it. And has disappeared, and no one knows what happened to them. <laughs> mm. I didn't look much at this. I'm curious if, if they put it anywhere else in the stories. And we also get a few named characters who I don't know if they exist now or will exist in Legends of Runeterra lore at any point, but here's hoping. We get Naomi Kimba, a courtier who is interested in our gal Tammy. Oh. And Tammy also seems interested in her. Uh, we get that that kind of douchebag I was talking about. I don't know how to pronounce the name. I'm going to say uh, Kella Alabroxis. And we also see uh, someone who's a member of the Glorious Evolved, who we're not going to talk about quite yet. Well, I say quite yet as if it's soon. Well, actually, we might <laughs> we might talk about it soon. So the Glorious like Evolved is more tied to victor um but currently they worship someone known as the gray lady who yeah i forgot we may very well be talking about next week (laughs) it is nice that camille is next i will say it's such a great 
you know, hook shot from one to the next, right? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we all play comedian. No, yeah. I, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, <laughs> careful. That's that broken clock chiming. <laughs> Damn it, I was like scrolling down in my notes, but I don't even have any more notes. It was all for not. Oh, it's okay, honey. Well, I, I, I agree with, with that sentiment. I think comparing this to what we were just complain we were complaining about kind of in the I think what we were complaining about happens a lot in the first half when she's making her way through the streets and you're getting bombarded with street names was what stood out to me where I was like, I don't even yeah. have any concept of where these streets are or what the fuck this means. But having these named pieces just every now and then, you you can pick up through context clues what they are, and it's that's fine, and they stand out. Um, yeah. And then the second half of it has less of that going on of those terms getting thrown at you. Yeah. And I like, I like the idea behind it. Right. Me too. It's yeah. like you know you've got a person who's here. We're kind of seeing the whole story through her eyes, and she's here literally as a spy to memorize these street names, like. It makes sense yeah. in the context of her. It doesn't make it more fun to read. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. There's probably a way to communicate that. I would have liked, you know. maybe if they had put her kind of dwelling on the street names a little bit. So, Because I imagine memorizing all the streets comes with just so much practice. So maybe if yeah. she's looking at a street name, she can, you know, says it in her head a few times over and over. So that would at least like... sure. It would be another breadcrumb to what she's doing there and would make a little yeah. bit more sense about why you're telling us all these fucking street names because otherwise I just don't <laughs> give a crap. Yeah, it was... No, um, I think that's a, a good suggestion. Yeah, comparing this to... I think something similar to this story was the really long Akali story that we got because it also wasn't really from Akali's point of view, but we got to know Akali so much through someone else's eyes and I really wish we had just gotten to know Caitlin a little bit better through someone else's eyes. All we got yeah. is that she's real good at her job. We know. <laughs> but but not even that good. This I, So I had a complaint about the very end because she's on the ship and she's sitting there musing to herself like, oh, they got my shit, but it doesn't matter. And then she just has this line about, also, I don't think it was really Caitlin that really deduced yeah. there's, you know, who I was. There's probably someone else. It's like, well, why do you think that? And that also kind of really undersells Caitlin. It's like, can't she just be a good fucking detective? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh no, someone else... I think she's supposed to be hinting at Camille, probably, right? I would guess. My guess. Yeah. It's Who always makes a cameo Camille. in this. Yeah. <laughs> a kind of cameo. A, an yeah, audi- an the audio most cameo. cameo. <laughs> oh, I don't think I even <laughs> noticed it. I was so distracted by the onslaught of other shit that was being thrown in my face. It could yeah. it, it could have even not been her, but it was just it like they mentioned that a lady was walking by with like a, a swooshing they mentioned like a swooshing gown or dress or something like that. Oh, so, that you could, so you couldn't see her legs, her but legs. she had metallic clicking noises. Oh, okay. Strange metallic, by. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like just this one line, be like, oh, by the way, Caitlin's not the hottest shit in the world. And it's like, yeah. okay, great, awesome, cool. Thanks. This wasn't about Caitlin, and also she didn't catch me, and also she's responsible now for like a bunch <laughs> of shit that's going to happen and go badly. Great Caitlin yeah. story. I was, I was curious. I actually <laughs> looked up, because I had forgotten which clan... Camille was a part of, so I'd actually looked it up after this to make sure that like Madarda wasn't actually her clan. But yeah, it's not. Yeah. She was just chilling, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I will say I, when I initially read it, oh, I was gonna say when I initially read it, I was like, oh yeah, I guess her clan was Madarda. It's like, wait, no, I know it's Pharaohs because the Iron thing. What the fuck's happening? So who knows why she was there? Yeah, 
I will say credit where credit's due too. We talked about the the Caitlin bio having a mystery mm. that's unsolvable or dumb. I appreciated the mystery in this one with enough breadcrumbs <laughs> that like while I didn't come to the conclusion, it's feasible that yeah. somebody could. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I th- and, and to that, I like that when they're they're gathered up and about to go inside the manor house, they're kind of talking about the different clans. And Guibert doesn't know anything, but Colette's the one who knows the scuttlebutt, like, oh, well, this clan had this happen, and they're trying to poach their artificer, which makes sense when you think about it, like, oh, she's another one of the, the spies, or the war masons, I guess is what they're called. And uh, she would know that type of shit, right? So... I also like this just little bit of extra Noxus lore that I didn't know about that they're just sending war masons fucking everywhere mm. in, in groups of two. That's yeah, <laughs> that is probably one of the coolest things about this is it's this tied with the the flavor story for Caitlin where we start to see Noxus is definitely trying to make these inroads and start to try yeah. and steal Piltoven tech. I'm curious to see that get developed if it ever does. You know, who knows? Yeah, I'm excited to get to Noxus, which is soonish, a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to touch a little bit of Child on Zon. I'm not going to go through it completely because we're going to go through it eventually when we do Vi. I just want to yeah. touch on the bits that It's Caitlin's a Vi story in. for sure. Yeah, it's a Vi story. And it's a good Vi story. I, I enjoyed it. But uh, So basically, Caitlin sends Vi down to the sump in Zon to help Kembarans with some unknown threat. She's super vague cannot give details very much talks like my hands are tied like i'm being watched right now and literally cannot say anything more just please do this <laughs> uh <laughs> so vi goes down there where she grows up she sees spider symbols everywhere doesn't know what those are and her friends take her to see some voice speak the voice talks about some great coming of the some great one it's Urgot. The, the great, great coming the great of one's some Urgot. great one. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the spiders, because Urgot looks kind of like a spider. So Urgot's kind of leading, not even necessarily like an uprising. Uh, the Zonites want it to be an uprising. Urgot very much just seems like, no, nah, we're just going to like spray everyone with poison. And if they live, cool. They can follow me. If not, then I guess they died from the poison. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's so, hardcore. Yeah. So Caitlin and Vi end up fighting him and his acolytes, and they end up defeating them and capturing Urgot, and then they put Urgot away in the prison cell, which we are going to see shortly in the Warrior cinematic. His acolytes have freed him from them, and Caitlin and Vi have to fight him again. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Like you said, we'll go over this with Vi. I will say, just from the Caitlyn perspective, it feels kind of weak because it makes her... I thought she came across like a, an overworked bureaucrat like, <laughs> or almost like a like the police chief who's like, ah, oh, the, the merchant clans are up my ass and I... You know, that type of shit. I don't know. Yeah. She's straight up like the police chief in RoboCop <laughs> in this story. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, uh, so I was going to go over some cinematic appearances and... Uh, a few AUs uh, before we jump into that. Anyone have any thoughts about the stories? No, I, th- I think we kind of captured it when we just said that we're we didn't we don't have a ton for Caitlyn. It's kind of unfortunate. I think yeah. it's hard to to figure out what to do with her a little bit because um I think Vi- no offense to Vi, but I think she kind of s- 
it overlaps with some things that Caitlyn might do, I guess. And it's it, they need to give her a bit more of a thrust, like something to really do beyond trying to figure out who the fuck C is. <laughs> so, from a cinematic perspective, I will say the biggest potential thing, but smallest thing right now, is obviously the Arcane show that uh, was was supposed to have actually come out in 2020, but got pushed back for obvious reasons and is slated for 2021 now. But that is, from at least the trailer, is going to be following Vi when she was younger. Um, but Caitlyn is featured, a, a picture of Caitlyn is featured in the trailer for it when she was a young child. So there's a very good chance we're going to be seeing some Caitlyn in this show. Yeah, I know on the, the wiki they have it heard listed as like reference with an unknown voice actress. I don't know if that's sourced from anything or if that's just somebody who saw that picture and was like, well, yeah, she's in it. Put it, put it in there. Put the, um, but I had not noticed that till I was going through this stuff for this. And there's like a, you'll, yeah, it's like a half second shot of that family portrait with that young girl with a rifle, which is neat. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited for it. I was super pumped when I first saw that trailer and I'm very excited to, to see what comes of it. So next is the warrior cinematic that we talked about. Uh, this cinematic is kind of three separate uh, story vignettes, I guess, happening at the same time, along to a remix of the Imagine Dragon song Warriors. And the Caitlin Vi piece of this is when, I guess, some of the Urgot acolytes have found their way to his prison. They've overtaken the guards, and they are trying to free him, and Caitlin and Vi are there to stop them. Now, very disappointing part about this cinematic, and I'm actually going to bring up a quote <laughs> from the Child of Zahn <laughs> oh, story here. Uh, there's a quote where Vi says, an apprehension that's rare in a woman who can put a bullet through a silver cog from three streets away, in reference to Caitlin, who in this video misses what had to have been the shortest range headshot <laughs> she's ever tried to take. <laughs> Yeah, well, they can't show a guy's head exploding. That's the big issue. <laughs> what if it's a Hextech head? <laughs> An augmented head? <laughs> I mean, yeah. What's really a big question is, why is there like a single let Urgot out switch? And right, like, I feel like there should be two switches at least or something, or levers or something. <laughs> a key. Or right? Because, yeah. you know, he's, he's, a pretty, he's a pretty bad dude. <laughs> Yeah. It's so massive too. It might as well have a big side that's like this will release Urgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their prison not so great. I will say random technology in Piltover not so great. That's fair. So, so, some of it is yeah. amazing and ahead of our times, and then also they have chamber pots. So yeah, yeah. Oh that was a neat detail. <laughs> I like was it because pots. like how do they not have bathrooms? <laughs> It's a fair question, right? Do they not have indoor plumbing? Tilt yeah, over, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, it's written very it much a cheap, like a, a, a high place. fantasy, like, like an old high fantasy. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, that, for the record, is a very cool cinematic. I just yeah. highly suggest watching it if you haven't. Um, she's also in a cinematic called One Simple Rule, which was specifically for her Pulse Fire skin. Um this is a video with some kind of behind-the-scenes lore about Pulse Fire in general. She's essentially serving as a time cop, closing any holes that people try to create in timelines. 
Uh, that's all we get out of this cinematic. We do actually get follow-up story about that whole organization of time cops, which is pretty neat. Unfortunately, she doesn't play a huge part in it. She's literally just mentioned. It's an Ezreal story mostly, but it's pretty fun. Mm. Now we get the 2019 arcade cinematic Ultra Combo, which I this is actually my first time seeing it because a lot of the times they'll when they do skin cinematics, it's just in-game um, action, and I mean those aren't as fun, so I don't watch them a lot of the times. This one starts out with an in-game action and then moves to kind of anime-style cinematics between them. That was pretty cool. Uh, swaps between gameplay and that style and the music that plays in the background is a combination between i would say a combination of like Mega Man and liquid tension experiment and it is real <laughs> fucking good Ooh. i don't think i've seen that one that's yeah, pretty neat i hadn't seen it either so we've got next one is unite against the dark which was the 2018 lunar revel cinematic this one is just using in-game graphics but it kind of tells a little story about the lunar rebel skins basically lunar wraith caitlin and lunar wraith morgana are hunting lunar lux and they fail (laughs) (laughs) spoiler alert (laughs) caitlin's gun also makes an appearance in the mac client launch Uh, yeah Yeah. (laughs) and she's also the first champion we've talked about who's in the takeover uh, music video, which was one of their most recent music videos oh, from yeah. this year. I think it was this year's World Cinematic. Um, this cinematic is basically a dude getting coached by Faker, and he has to fight his way through a bunch of pros who are playing their signature champions. Uh, whenever he dies, he has to go back and start all over again, and then he gets the weapons of all the people he defeated. But those are the those are the cinematic she's a part of. She's actually not part of a lot of alternate universes. There's a Lunar Guardian that we talked about um, that has kind of its own little story. Um, it's pretty short. It's like a paragraph. Um, and then the Tale of the Poro King that we talked about last week. The Poro encounters Vi and Caitlin and Piltover. <laughs> Uh, and Very finally, good. the Pulsefire one, which, like I mentioned, more of an Ezreal story, but it's actually it's pretty neat. Isn't there like a Punches and Plants? Is that is she in oh, that, yeah. or is that Vi and Zyra? Or? <laughs> it's technically Vi and Zyra. She is in that. I, I forgot to mention that one, but yeah, she's mm. she's in that. She's she's yeah. she's a heavier part of that, so not yeah. just a cameo. <laughs> I, you gotta take what you can get, I guess, with Caitlyn. <laughs> I will say from that uh, that that Child of Zon story, something I did not realize about Hextech is that they are making synthetic Hextech crystals. Like that's a whole huge thing, I guess, because they, there's only a limited supply of them in Shirima. So Camille's clan makes them, I guess, and it causes the gray in Zon. So you oh. know they directly profit from the suffering of, of Zonites. Very real. Mm. The, oh, so that was something I liked from the Progress Day story. I forgot to mention is the fact that. Tammy sees people with fake augmentations as like a status symbol and she can spot out like that's a fake crystal that guy's just got a normal glove on these guys are fucking faking I thought that was an, an interesting idea that people would like try and show off oh these are all my new sh- all my new shit but it's just like glued on or <laughs> very very real uh, yeah yeah all right any other sure. any other final thoughts on on Caitlin besides just our favorite word potential no (laughs) (laughs) i got nothing i i will say 
you know, we had talked about how reading brand got us excited to read about like more brand stuff, but like through like as brand as opposed to as as Keegan. Like I feel like mm. reading about Caitlin is making me excited to read more about Camille. And on some level, yeah. I know that it's going to be disappointing because I don't think in Camille's side of the story, they're nearly as connected as I'm going to want them to be, but I'm yeah. still kind of excited about it. Well, I think I think Camille will be interesting because she will get much more involved with the, the merchant clans and and kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of, of Piltover's politics and stuff. Caitlin, not much of her, her lore really connects her to a lot of that. Um, the closest we got was that, again, that Child of Zahn story. Or even then, because it's all from Vi's perspective, we just kind of see it from this, like I said, like this this harried chief or bureaucrat who's just like, I've got a million things I got to fucking deal with, Vi. Just go do this for me, please. And that's it, right? All right. I think that's it. That was Caitlin. We did it. Ooh. There wasn't much, but we... <laughs> there wasn't a lot, and we still talked for an hour about it. <laughs> yes. Well, we did get to visit Piltover. I do feel like I at least know a little bit more about Piltover and Zaun, which is exciting. I'm excited, mm. like, really interested to get more champions in the area, especially uh, more Zaun, Zaunite champions, I think will be really thrilling. Real quick, just comparing those regions to, like, other regions like Freljord or etc., uh, they are going to be better experienced because their stories are so, uh, or better experienced to champions because their stories are so um, more personal, I guess I would say. There's not like yeah. a really big, large scale organizational conflict. It's much more like, oh, this thing's going on in this part of the city and this thing's going on with Heimerdinger, just all these little things, I guess. So, yeah, in the Freljord, it's at the heart of it, it's all about survival in the Freljord, whereas in Piltover we get people's bitchy problems, and I'm really excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, if you could like rate and review on iTunes, that'd be super helpful. And join us next week when we will be talking about the Steel Shadow. Camille. <laughs> <laughs>